Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Joined with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Joseph. Yellow. And Jehu. Here this week to talk about Jordan Peele's latest effort, Nope, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Keith David in a glorified cameo. Yeah. What's this? Pretty much it. Oh, yeah. Steven Yoon's in it. You're right. Steven Yoon. Yeah, I totally drove blank on his name there for a second. That Uh, guy from The Crow. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk more about that guy. You threw me off track there, Hurt. (laughs) This film follows a family of ranchers, horse trainers, when they begin to receive disturbances from a mysterious guest on the farm. I don't know how to, I mean, it's a, it's a UFO. You've seen the trailer. It's, it's uh, a UFO. Uh, you got like a very eighties trailer style thing going on with the uh, description. You. I like it. Um, what do we think of this movie? Y'all? Uh, I'll go first. First of all, you know, from the trailer, I wasn't 100% sure it was a UFO, but me and Sarah went to see it with some friends. And uh, before we walked in, the conversations we had were about, Art Bell era, coast to coast, OJ, the crow and bounce houses and trampolines. And I feel like all those conversations kind of tied into this movie. Unrelated to the actual like information from the trailers of this movie. Yeah, no, these were just things that came up organically, having nothing to do with. We were going to see this movie. That might be scarier than this movie. (laughs) I know. Uh, but yeah, I love this movie. It, you know, uh, I feel like this dude, as he makes each movie, is getting more confident. And I think with that confidence, that might alienate more people because this one was weirder and less obvious than the previous one, just like it was than the one before it. But I enjoyed that. I also yeah. like I think I think kind of to your point, her. I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like it's more confident, but I also think that the subtext in like us comparatively to, to like get out or, you know, the allegory was almost more important than the story. And that was to the detriment of the movie. Uh, right. I do not feel like that was the case. I feel like Jordan Peele came in and just be like, I want to make uh, just a, a horror movie. And I can also make some commentary on, on people's obsession with entertainment and, and fame. Right. Um, yeah. I'm with you fellas. This movie fucking <laughs> kicks. Uh, Jordan Peele like legitimately he's just i mean every movie he makes so far it's just a cut above like i mean he's just really has knocked it out of the park three times in a row and i might like us more than i like get out and i don't know that i liked this one more than that but i feel like i might watch this one more i 100 percent agree with that immediately like as soon as we finished watching it i was like i could watch this movie again it's the scariest of his three movies, in my opinion. Also yeah. true. And uh, what was really interesting to me about it is, number one, you could teach a freaking arts class, a theater class, a screenwriting class uh, on this film. I don't know that like the Chekhov's gun principle has ever been more applied to a <laughs> film ever. <laughs> yeah. Every detail in this movie comes back. What's weirder, too, is he he presents the problem like you know Chekhov's gun principle right you see the result before you almost see the reasoning so like i don't there's people with alien costumes earlier in the film 
And then, but there's a reason for that, but we get it later. Like it happens in reverse. And I, I don't know, like it was just really smart in that regard. And two, it's actually pretty funny. There's like a string right. of, of gag jump scares that happen. I mean, it's like five minutes long. just one right after another before actual jump scares happen. And it got me every time. And it was fucking hilarious that he like just kept doing it. I don't know. Like it, it's, it's really freaking good. Much better than Transformers for sure. For sure. I know you mentioned that, that while you were watching it, Christian, that you kind of felt like it might've been, it was kind of like a slow burn, you know, for like the first bit of it, which is generally an issue that I have with horror movies. I generally, my issue is I'm not engaged enough with, whatever the the pretext story before the horror happens that i care so i'm just like waiting to get to like the bit where people start getting murdered uh but that was not the case with this one i was super engaged the whole time i loved all of this just this this odd little town and the, these odd little uh people like everything about steven yoon and his little amusement park and history was fascinating to me i was just i was super into it the whole thing yeah um yeah. Uh, one other thing before we start getting into specifics i also felt like he, I don't know. I felt like this guy had more fun making this one than the other two. Like he let a little bit more of his influence just has just come right through. You could see Tarantino, you could see Carpenter, you could see Lynch. Uh, there is one scene that makes no doubt what his favorite anime is. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I, and I enjoyed that. I just, I had a blast in this movie. Yeah. Want to get into spoilers? Sure. I mean, we can, uh, I do want to get into spoilers, but I, I, it's better than Transformers. And, and especially Daniel Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer are, are perfectly cast and perfectly performed in this movie. They're just outstanding. Dude, dude I want to follow that up because I, I think Kiki Palmer steals it. I think she's so good in this. But Daniel Kaluuya putting, up, putting on the weight and finding the perfect trucker hat and the perfect <laughs> placement on top of the head not yep. wearing it but letting it sit on top of the head it is perfect, so important perfect character study of what that role should be yep all of his clothes were exactly the clothes that dude would wear yep like i don't know who made those decisions but they were just so correct <laughs> anyway, so spoilers yeah. way better than transformers spoilers yeah you know, uh, you said this one is probably the one you would end up watching the most, and I agree with that, but there is one sequence in it I will never watch again in my entire fucking life, and that is the fucking monkey freakout. 100%. So that, that shit was horrifying. It, it's funny that you went to this because this is the first thing that I wanted to talk about also. <laughs> it's very clear that Jordan Peele had the same traumatic, like, I don't even know if it's a memory because it's not something that I saw. But like when I learned about the whole story about the the monkey that took the Xanax and like ripped the girl's face off and broke her arm. Like right. that shit's trauma. I've never not thought about that. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> right. that shit is fucking constantly stuck. living in there. It's it's always there. Uh, and apparently it's had the same effect on Jordan Peele because 100% what that shit was about. I have but, a lot of intense phobias and most of them are things that are a threat that could happen like right now. That's one of my phobias that there's no way I'll ever encounter in my life, but I still, I'm ready for it. 100%. Monkeys scare the shit out of me. I hate them. They're fucking creepy. They're terrifyingly powerful. (laughs) Uh, The just, just like that, not even just that scene, but that specific perspective from like young Steven Yoon hiding under the table is like literally my absolute worst nightmare. Yeah. No, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Uh, I was. Joseph and I saw the movie together, and like immediately, he was like, "Oh, fucking monkeys!" Like this. 
because they start with it. It's the, yeah. I mean, the you don't scene. see the whole attack right off, but you know at that point, I'm going to see this attack at some yeah, point. Yeah, you know it. <laughs> One thing I really appreciated about this film is that I, I really thought it was an interesting take on UFOs, making the, the spaceship the creature. Like, I thought that was, one, it was just new and different and cool, but then so tied into the plot when you have these people who work with training animals all the time. Like, I just... Again, I'm stupid. I am an idiot. And and the dude's just he's really fucking smart. It's it's a dumb thing to be smart about, but he's really fucking smart. Well, it's just it's just beautiful because it, it plays on your expectations without ever lying to you. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, like the, the moment the, you're talking about one of the first fake outs where it's, you know, we think it's like the aliens in the in the barn. It's like, oh, yeah, that's 100 percent what we think this fucking movie is, because right. of course it's what it's going to be about. And so for it to just be, you know, just totally different than our expect like that's not his fault he didn't you know he didn't steer us any particular way that's just you know our our uh i don't know if our, our film knowledge culture knowledge coming in and being weaponized against us <laughs> i um you know d- did you guys feel like maybe this time he's making a little bid for oscar town i felt less about that one with this uh, yeah i agreed See, well, I just think because you know the oscars love movies about hollywood and about movies Touche. And, and this and this really, you know, is about that. And you know, uh, you know, that that second sequence where he has the horse at the commercial, it just paints all those Hollywood people as being the worst fucking people on earth. And for some reason, Hollywood people love that shit. They just <laughs> eat that shit up. I will say from that sequence also, you guys probably are not as familiar with this actress, but Donna Mills from the 80s nightly soap opera Knott's Landing was there. And man, her face, like she did not look one bit different than she looked in 1989. You look, you know, even a half an inch below the chin, and then you could see the years. But right (laughs) on her face, like, like there is no special effect in any Marvel movie that I was impressed by as I was. (laughs) They've kept Donna Mills' face back together. It was incredible. I mean, I do think to a point you made earlier, I think, Joseph, you said this about how us like the commentary of us, it probably plays more than what us is. And I think when we did the episode, like we all came away with like different things too. like we were all like, uh, like, oh, no, this was the point of that movie. This one is, I think, much more direct. It certainly is like, you know, obsessive media entertainment culture. But I think. And I I probably wanted more of that, but also on the flip side, after us, where it was so heavy handed, I was kind of thankful that this was just more like Jordan Peele and his element. I mean, telling so making social commentary is an element, but that this felt more like a horror movie with a commentary where that was a commentary film that happened to be a horror movie. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's exactly I agree. It just was it felt like the right kind of follow up where it's in the same ballpark, but it, it, it feels different. One of the things I also really liked about this is there was a few scenes where one of them would be looking at something and it wasn't clear whether they were looking at something scary or just a weird shape in the night. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever lived out in the boonies, that's just a really real like Mm -hmm. feeling like when he's what you guys talked about this scene earlier, but when he's, you know, in the horse pens and he sees the outline of the of the you know what might be aliens um you know there's just a moment it's like are we seeing something here or is there nothing here yeah yeah, i really enjoyed that 
it's a, it's such it, it is because it, it, it's so very accurate to like the human perception just like is that just like a garbage can did i forget there's something over there earlier and then it right. moves and you're like oh fuck right <laughs> <laughs> i also really liked the way it's you know just the entire way of them watching the ufo is shot there's a scene at night when i can't remember which horse it is i think it's the second one but they um really when daniel kalua's character starts putting together what's going on and he goes and hides in like the shed and he's just watching it like through the cracks in the wood in the shed like that was that's incredible cinematography uh for uh not a dumb ufo movie but a movie it's a type of movie that people wouldn't put that kind of work or effort right. into. Mm-hmm. right i was talking to someone yesterday about this movie and they're like oh i've seen get out you know is, is it like that and i was like well it's not really and then i wanted to say it's really more like jaws but then i was like that kind of takes away that kind of is a minor spoiler for what this movie is about so i did not right. say that but right. one of the things that i feel like it, it does that's like jaws is for jaws it's it's just now any like the water is scary everywhere in the water is a place that the the shark could come from and now in this movie you're just looking like there's so many shots of just sky and clouds and (laughs) not all of them have the fucking uh creature thing in it but you're constantly looking for it like well it could be where the fuck is it (laughs) you know it's it's funny there was a movie you're reminding me of, and you saying that makes me think of the perfect way to explain this movie if you're not worried about spoiling it, which is it's a movie for the first two-thirds of it you think is Close Encounters of the Third Kind, but then it turns out to be Jaws. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have much else to say. Um, I mean, I, we're just gushing over it, uh, and it's, it's just really good. But I did want to talk about The Crow Guy, antlers i believe is his name in the film right um you guys remember and listen if this is insensitive joseph cut it out whatever but (laughs) you guys you guys remember a few months ago when sam elliott got really mad about gay cowboys yes this whole character feels like a direct rebuttal to that (laughs) (laughs) he's like raspy voice marlboro man super (laughs) tough willing to do anything to get the shot super Hmm. lean and cut but also, like, wears a toga and makes a lemon tart for a house party. He looks. <laughs> right. like, and I fucking dug it. Oh, yeah, I right. wanted a whole movie about that guy. Dude, let me tell you, when he does the fucking uh, the lyrics to One Eyed, One Horned Purple. Yep. God, so good in fucking like Peter Weller voice and just does the whole thing straight. That might be my favorite scene in any movie ever. It's really outstanding. If there was a subscription service where I could just hear that guy recite lyrics from like kitschy one hit wonders from like the 50s and 60s, I'd sign up today. It is so good. Yeah. And it goes on so long. And I love it. I love that they committed to it. There's there's like two or three times where it's like, okay, he said what he's going to say from this. No, he's still going. He's doing the whole thing. It was great. Uh, that might be Jordan Peele's. I, I say it's a gift. I feel like it's it's a gift given by consuming a lot, like a in a, in a Tarantino esque manner. But you can just tell he just loves this genre, and he just got such a good instinct for like what's gonna hit exactly that kind of thing, like how long to right. let things go, when to cut, 
Uh, there's a great bit uh, that I didn't even think about till later, but you know, there's the whole scary scene where after the uh, that whole what do we what do we call that fucking thing that Steven Yeun ran <laughs> amusement, the park. amusement park? The whole amusement yeah. park got like sucked up into the the creature, uh, and and uh, you know it follows them back to the house in the rain, and and then it like fucking unloads the uh, uh, detritus on the house. My favorite bit in retrospect that I didn't even like register during it is that like there's no scene where they like come out and they're like, oh, shit. Oh, look at this, man. Look, oh, there's so much blood on the house. All you know, like there's no like there's no characters like acknowledging it. But the fucking house stays like that the rest of the movie. Yeah, like, we're just looking at that doing that. And it's so right. much better that way. I think that's totally. a good choice. Man, there's a great moment in that bit, too. when uh, Daniel Kaluuya goes to open the door and he closes it and he's just like, nope. Yep. <laughs> Dude, like it just that... breaks it just breaks it up at the perfect moment because it's it's and again you're talking about him uh, Jordan Peele having such a gift for this like there are long stretches of this movie that I think at the time you're like it's all gas no breaks yeah mm. but it's really not they're short little breaks but they're humor and they're placed right the mm-hmm. joke hits and so it doesn't have to be like a five to 10 minute moment of reprieve. It's like a 30 second moment of reprieve, but it's just enough for you to relax enough for him to just then turn the knob right back up. to no, yeah, no, it, it, It's it's absolutely paced perfectly. I do think it's funny. I watched the, uh, the hot ones with Daniel Kaluuya this past week. And it's just so funny to me that that dude, like, you know, in, in get out and in this movie are the characters that he is because in person, he seems like a super fucking chatty dude. Right. Uh, and he's just like so subtle and reserved in, in these movies. And he's so good at it. I mean, he's incredible at it. Uh, if you haven't seen that, the hot ones with him, it's really interesting. It's a dude who really obviously loves what he does. Right. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's really, really good at it. That dude wants to make a Barney the Dinosaur movie. Does he really? Really? Yeah. yeah he like bought the rights to Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> and it's like executive producing it. I'm super into that. Yeah, I fucking love that factoid. Well, speaking of factoids, apparently uh, uh, at some point, I don't remember if this is something that we even talked about on this podcast, but Jordan Peele was offered to make the Akira movie and didn't, and he still probably won't, but he got a shot. <laughs> Boy, did he. <laughs> that, that motorcycle slide is just like, there's no question. What there's that is. No, it's, it's not Akira supposed to be questioned. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, that also, that leads to, you know, you talked about Chekhov's gun. Like, who would have thought that that weird photo well would be the big Chekhov's gun of this movie? Mm. Like, yeah. that was that was such, like, just a throwaway detail in the first third of this movie that turns out to be, like, the clincher. That, 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 was, that was pretty great. Yeah, and he does it. I mean, I can't remember them all right now, but I, there are several in right. this movie where it's just, like, a minor little detail, you know, the neighbor's kids in wearing alien suits where you're like, well, maybe they've heard a story. This guy's kind of going crazy, setting up cameras, right. think there's a, but then it's like, no, these people are seeing the same alien and they're fucking obsessed with it. Like it just was, it, it, there was a, there is a, the, the camera, the alien suit, and there's a third one and I can't remember what it is, but um, it, it's, it's so good. The alien suit thing is so great too, because they act sort of ape like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, it's very much, what he processed of what scary aliens would be like, you know, because, you know, he had this horrible incident with the ape. Uh, I, I thought that was a good touch. I also thought when the Best Buy guy uh, yeah. 
whose name I can't remember, was first like talking about what the like the theories of what the aliens would be. One of the options was like future humans coming back to save the earth or fix humanity or whatever. It was like, oh shit, is this going to be future monkeys saving monkeys from people? (laughs) (laughs) It's a Uh, Planet of the Apes prequel. Yeah, look, Uh, I wouldn't put it past Jordan Peele to do that shit. Yeah, that that the 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 Best Buy guy. We haven't even mentioned him. That guy was great too. Yeah. Uh, the the scene the scene where Crow guy walks off and he was he says to them oh he just said something cryptic and walked away. <laughs> that just killed man <laughs> like there was only like maybe fifteen people in my theater but everybody laughed at that. What I really loved about that character is his ability to insult everyone else in the room and then everyone just agree with it. Because <laughs> I think he says something to him. He's like, "You're too weak to get the shot." And then he like turns around and walks away and you're like, he just called you weak. He called you a bitch. <laughs> and you're like, man, he just said something cryptic and walked off, bro. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I could probably watch this movie today. Like, I, absolutely, I, gotta- I could absolutely go watch this movie yeah. today. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Everyone, not everyone should see it. My wife would fucking hate it. But how come she hates horror films in general? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I wouldn't call this like I, I wouldn't classify it as body horror. I don't think the, so either. But the people getting eaten by the monster and then the monster raining blood yeah. for t- 15 minutes, she would not handle that well. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not actually like, you know, kind of exactly what you're talking about. You, like there is a gore, I guess, in the sense that there's blood and stuff, but like you don't see it happen to people. But it's still like it's still psychologically taxing, I think. Yeah, he does a really what, good job. Little we of... see of people getting eaten by the by the UFO monster is such a great mix of horrifying and absolutely ridiculous. Yes, like it's it is really like disturbing when it's happening, but it's also so silly it doesn't really stick with you. That mm. yeah, I, I I think this the the true scary part is the way he includes the screams, the yep. fact that you can still hear the people right. as they're being eaten. Right. That's horrifying. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, nope. Way better than Transformers. Y'all should go Way see it. Dear yeah, Jordan Peele, just keep making movies. Yeah, I just had no to make a movie like every year. I'm just, I, I'd kind of like to see him do something besides horror. He's done three in the horror genre. I'd like to see something else. Well, let me, a follow up question to that hurt is he's done three very distinct horror films, right? right. Like Get Out. I don't even know how I would classify it, but like, you know, I would say Get Out's kind of non-traditional, but Us is kind of a slasher film, sort of. These people are being hunted with a person with a knife. He's made it an alien film now. Like, what other sub-genres of of horror does he go for next? I mean, he kind of even does like a kaiju monster movie. Like, we're talking about, this is kind of Jaws. Like, Right, yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, there's zombies, but zombies are so played out at this point. Fucking vampires. Vampires would be good. He could make a cool vampire film. I agree, totally. But yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him do something outside of, of this genre. I mean, I know it's I know it's dumb, but I would die to see Jordan Peele's Superman movie. Mm. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is, this guy is really into subtext and metaphor. And that's something that's almost completely lacking from superhero. <laughs> no, no doubt. I know that Zack Snyder thinks his movies are full of them, but they're full of something. Yeah. 
I mean, look, I, I, I agree with you guys. I think I think one of the things that shows in all of his movies is that, like, again, he just really fucking loves movies. And I just wanted to make stuff that he just really seems to enjoy. Right. Uh, right. So what, whatever the, that strikes him next, I'm here for it. Hopefully it comes soon. Yeah, yes, hopefully. Definitely. Anyway, that's Nope. Uh, what have we been watching the past week, guys? Look at us. We're uh, back on a schedule. I uh, want to sacrifice my time for what we've been watching and ask, what the fuck is happening to Warner Brothers? <laughs> I was going to do the same thing. Yeah, no, totally. What the fuck is going on with Warner Brothers? It's a goddamn shit show. How does it only get worse? I don't know. It's so weird we- because I feel, I feel like when HBO Max first started like rolling around, I think we were all just like, this doesn't seem like it's sustainable. Like, right. You've lumped a lot of things together. Uh, HBO doesn't necessarily have like the best track record for like super great interfaces with their users. It's like, this seems like it's just mounting to be a train wreck. And then for like the past two years, it's been one of the most like stable content, rich of variety of content uh, of platforms out there. I watch a lot of shit on HBO Max. I uh, mean, it's I, easily but- become my favorite streaming yeah. service and now i think they're trying to turn it back into hbo go and i'm like fuck that <laughs> yeah that's what's so weird about all of this is well i mean i say it's weird there's an explanation but uh it's it's very much feels like we're rewinding the clock back to 2009 2010 like when streaming services are really starting to get their footing and take off and trying to figure out what they are well it's almost viewed as just an alternative to cable. Not that it is its own network or, or its own studio really. But I guess that's what happens when you put a guy who's only ever produced reality television. in charge. <laughs> well, I guess we should say we haven't actually said what the news is because we assume everybody's just as geeky as us. That's a great point. But, but they, uh, this week they canceled a Batgirl movie that was 70% done all the way that, filmed. Right. Filmed. It already it was ready for test screens. It had J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon. It had Michael fucking Keaton as Batman. And they just scrapped it. Not going to not like, oh, it's not going to get a theatrical release. It's going to go to HBO Max. It's never going to see the light of day, you know, until somebody leaks. But it's just baffling. And and I would like to say it's more baffling than the uh, decisions that Warner Brothers has made up to now. But They've just been making baffling decisions for so long. I just don't know what's going on with them. I don't know the status of how financially solvent Warner Brothers is as a company. Obviously, it just got bought out by Discovery. But right. <laughs> I, 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 it's hard to see an outcome where no matter what they're saying, that Warner Brothers isn't divided into multiple divisions and eventually sold off. I mean, mm-hmm. each right. one, one by one, like. This feels like maybe not the final nail in the coffin, but we're putting the walls together. You know, right? Like, God, it's just first of all, it's just so bizarre they picked this one and not the Flash. Yeah, like why they're determined they pick- to get this Flash movie out. But why? I'm I know it because Ezra Miller deserves it. <laughs> I mean, he's probably the most toxic man in Hollywood currently, <laughs> which is like which is a uh, highly competitive right. <laughs> position. <laughs> I'm not I'm not saying the rankings couldn't change at any second. Right now, I think he's the top dog. I'm just baffled by I, you know, it's funny. I, I went and saw Nope last night at The Breeze. And I was thinking back because the last movie I'd saw at The Breeze was Superman Returns. And wow. 
yeah, it's been it's been a long time. And I just feel like Warner Brothers, like you can trace back their problems even back to that. If you think about Batman Begins and then Superman Returns, like from that point, they were a company that just did not have a direction for these properties that they have. You know, they took Batman Begins was, you know, a revamp. But hey, let's start from square one, reintroduce these these things to people. And, you know, Superman Returns is almost the opposite of that it's a reboot that's also a sequel which actually you know these days kind of worked but it did not work then and it just seems like since then they've just like every time they find something that works the next thing they do is something that does and they just need someone with a direction yeah you know we're talking all this it's not just scrapping batgirl they scrapped a scoob (laughs) sequel that Mm -hmm. It costs $40 million. So now you're $130 million in the hole on projects you refuse to release. They're disbanding HBO Max and absorbing it into Discovery, where it will have no original content. All the original content will go back to the premium cable service because everyone's dying to have fucking cable again. Uh-huh. Right. And all of these opinions are based on a graphic where they've lumped things into things men are interested in and things <laughs> women are interested in. <laughs> I think also, I, I often, you guys know, bring things back to wrestling. But, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, at the end of the Monday Night War, WWF was so on fire. It was so good. It was so fun to watch. And WCW had become unwatchable. And when it got to the point where WWF absorbed WCW... Everybody thought that was going to be great. Everybody thought that was going to be good for the industry. And it turned out to be awful. You know, not having competition turns out to not be a good thing, even if it's bad competition. And I, I worry about a world where Disney owns everything. Because I see, like, I could very easily see this being the first step to Disney owns Superman. Disney owns Batman. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah. I don't think it is, but I mean, to be fair, it's obviously not a good thing that Warner Brothers <laughs> owns Superman right That's now. That's a good point. Yeah. That is a good point, too. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm not saying this is a good situation. I, I just don't know. I, I I don't know what the good outcome to this is. I, yeah. I, I just know for some reason we're going to get to see the flash no matter what. <laughs> Joseph, what have you been watching? <laughs> Did you have anything else? No, because that's what I was going to talk about, too. So. OK, fair enough. I don't have too much. I, I uh, they started dropping the third season of Harley Quinn on HBO Max for as, again as long as any of that shit is around. Right. And that show is just so much better than it has any right to be. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Obviously, the you know Harley Quinn as a character took on a life of her own after Batman the Animated Series has gotten a big cultural push. You know, since then, blah blah blah. So like, it's kind of incredible. The character itself has has gotten this popular, but to like take kind of the very like bare bones of what was a character there uh, and turn it into both one of the best like superhero shows and superhero like pastiche shows. It's really good. Again, I I described it the first season or it's two seasons as like Deadpool, but not toxic. And I stand by that. I don't know how they do it because it's, it's, you know, it does stand by kind of like the, you know, the irreverent violent cursing kind of stuff. But it does it in a way that still has a lot of heart and is not like it pokes fun at 
you know, a lot of the the established superhero tropes and some of the goofiness of the, you know, DC universe and the Batman villains and characters, but it also very clearly likes them a lot. Um, and that comes yeah. through a lot. Uh, it's really good. I don't understand how they made it as good as it, as it is. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, it's on HBO Max for at least a little bit longer. I recommend okay. it. Okay. Uh, you know, you... You saying that did make me mention one thing I was just going to talk a little about, and I'll talk more about next week. Uh, you know, in our last uh, in our last podcast, I was very worried about the the Sandman show on Netflix, but I watched the first two episodes, and it's it's a it's good. You know, it's it's not as good as I want it to be, but it's not as bad as I thought it would be, and I think it's worth a watch if you haven't seen it. Fair enough. Do we know what we want to do next week? No idea. Well, next week we'll be coming back with something. Maybe more right. HBO Max, maybe The Gray Man, maybe who fucking knows, something. Yeah, I was about to say, if there's anything we want to cover on HBO Max, we should probably now is, do Now is the goddamn time, no kidding. Right. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, go see Nope if you haven't seen it already. It's it's really good. I think it's more fun in a theater. Um, right now. Please rate, subscribe, tell your friends. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Real Phonies and on Instagram at Real underscore Phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for our and Brian Valexis for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later.